Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Listen to These Nerds as we are playing Mythos Unit tonight. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be the Game Master once again. And starting at the top of the channel for our fellow players, we have... Uh, hello, my name is Harry. I'll be playing as Franklin Blackmore. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm playing Quincy Adams. Hi, I'm Jonathan, and I'm going to be playing uh, uh, Tony Megalos. And I'm Jonathan, and I'm going to be playing Inspector Adam Lavender. All right, so getting back into things. Last game, I believe that a number of things went on. You guys discovered the true nature of the Smiley Face Killer after a lengthy discussion with uh, Creedy involving his true motives, identity, and everything going on in a full disclosure matter. So... Now that you guys, as well as a couple other select individuals, are aware of the true nature of the Smiley Face Killer and his status as a boogeyman myth, it seems as though your task ahead of taking it down is more difficult than ever. And after discussing what to do next, you came to a couple of agreements on things, and so a few matters were taken care of, more packs were made with myths that you had met previously and you continued uh, working on things because if your guesses are correct then the next blackout is going to be tomorrow night on Friday at the moment you just finished up your shift on Thursday leaving you the evening with which to do whatever you wanted to work on things further or take care of some other matters because at the moment time seems just a little short and, you know, you got to do everything you can before plunging back into the darkness once again. So, what do you do? Uh, first things first, I think Quinty wants to test the limits of the, uh, wants to, like, talk, like, maybe pick Reedy's brain a little bit more about what the limits of the effect are. Like, uh, apparently it can tell that, it can tell that we're talking about it, but, like, I'm wondering to what extent... Right, like if I hold up a picture of a smiley face, and then point at it, and then right. like, or, or like, let's say I'm saying a sentence, I'm saying, like, well, we should probably go left to deal with, and then I point at the smiley face. You're in a helicopter, and you're like, look out for those bogeys, man. Hmm. Um. Okay. So I will say that uh, at the end of your shift, you go and you find Creedy working in a spare office as he's typing diligently on a laptop, and he sees you. Ah, by all means, come on in, Inspector. Is there something I can help you with? Oh, um, just, I, I'm not sure if I, maybe I missed it during the conversation before I was, you know, uh, mm. where I've been doing a lot of redecorating and I'm, I've, you know, sometimes I forget things. I had a couple questions about how, how the whole curse worked. Um, for example, if, if, if I did, and he, takes out a pen and, like, draws a smiley face and points at it. If I were to say, Mr. Creedy, could we have a conversation about, and then point towards it, would it, would that count? And with this, he nods and he holds up, uh, yeah, the universal symbol of, um, you know, uh, his forefinger to his thumb in an A-OK sign. So that would, that would be, it. but is you responding to my question about it? Would it now know that you're talking about it? Um, so long as it remains non-verbal, I believe we are safe. Oh, well, 
then I guess I should get a pad of paper. Um, it's time well, for Quincy you. to learn ASL. Hmm. And with that, uh, he nods. That sounds like a very agreeable workaround, yes. All right, well, uh, thank you very much. Of course. Quincy's gonna head off and go, uh, go to the de- grocery store, or department store, or whatever. Okay, cool. All right, so you take care of that, and you still have your evening completely free, of course. So, uh, with everybody else, is there anything that you would like to use this unit of time for? I kind of have a thing prepared for this, so I will go last. Okay. Quincy's going shopping. All right. Hmm, I feel like Adam kind of sorted everything out business-wise last session, but he would like to go talk to Sophie. Okay. So, all right, so you head back to your apartment, and, uh, yeah, um, Sophie is, uh, yeah, uh, basically she's still in her, uh, yeah, like, just a loose t-shirt and shorts and stuff like that, like, you can tell she's just waking up, this is her morning for her, so, yeah, she's basically, uh, making some food in the kitchen with the smell of, uh, sizzling eggs filling the room, so, ah, uh, oh, uh, evening, Gav, ah, uh. How you doing? Hey, Sophie. Uh, you know, uh, doing okay. It's been kind of a rough few days. Um, do you yeah. mind if I sit with you for a minute? I've got is some things apart- I want to talk about. Is your apartment in it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I suppose it is. Um, so, uh, look. I can't really say too much, but we've uncovered some things and we're fairly certain there's going to be another blackout happening really soon, like tomorrow. And at this, she begins frowning and just kind of slowly nods. All right, yeah, yeah. Nasty bit of business that's occurred over the last little while. Yes, yeah, especially nasty. And I, well, I know you're capable and can handle yourself, um, but I just wanted to warn you because I know, well, I think it's going to be worse than last time. Dang, that's saying something. What, yes. just, there were a bunch of nasty, creepy crawlies running around last time, and you're saying that there might be uh, more of them or bigger ones? That's a very good question. I don't know. Probably more, maybe worse, maybe bigger. Uh, maybe both. Exactly. We have incomplete information, I guess. Well, I, this is kind of on the down low here, but if you... Uh need to leave the apartment in order to feel safe, I trust you to do that. Technically, you're under my protective custody and you're essentially under house arrest. But I, if you need to get out of here, you do it. Uh, maybe we can decide on a, a, a meeting spot or something if I, if I come back and you're not here. And at this, she's actually giving you a bit of a yeah, like, a bit of a smile at this, like, um, a, one of the amusement and well, ain't you just as sweet as thinking of little old me at a time like this? Well, well, hey, you're not a bad egg, you know. I, uh, <laughs> I know technically you're a criminal and all, but really, <laughs> under the current circumstances, I think you know we could consider ourselves as as colleagues. Ah, uh, that's a, well. I mean, we are roommates and all that, so you know it's good to look out for one another. But really, and at this, she uh, slides her eggs onto her plate and takes a seat at the table. You know me, Gav. The uh, fact is, I'm probably a good bit stronger than just about anything that could be going through these streets. If you need to worry about something like me, it should only be for if, you know, something's planning on uh, ripping the city apart or anything like that. 
Well, this is the thing. Ah, maybe I'm just being paranoid, but uh, I like to cover all of my bases, you know? Yeah, all right. Tell you what, um, something like that goes on. Uh, why don't we talk about some things? And so uh, with this, she picks up the remote, turns on uh, the TV. Now, so, uh, what are you thinking for, uh, you know, a place to meet up? And as the, she's talking, she's scrolling through the channels. Hmm. Uh, I think maybe Adam, he hasn't been in London for too long, but he's hmm. made it kind of a habit to go out to this uh, little breakfast place, this little diner uh, hmm. on the on the weekends. And there's a, a nice little park just across the street from there. It's maybe like only four or five blocks away from his apartment. So he'll suggest that as a meeting place. All right, that one. Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, that's the one, uh, they do that thing that they do with, uh, yeah, they got that breakfast special, down they? Yes, yes, the Bed oh. Eggs Benedict. It's a favorite of mine. The, the reason they... I suggest that park is not just because it's central, but also because oh. there's a, a gazebo and there's a, a, a trap door in the gazebo. There's kind of a storage area. Yeah. Where the, the park's maintenance people keep. Yeah, so you could you could hide in there if, you know, the sun comes out. If hypothetically I were to find myself out and about and the sun were to come up or something like that. All right. Yeah. And, uh, as, yeah, she stopped on a channel, but as, uh, you know, basically the canned laughter comes through on this sitcom, suddenly the channel shifts and there is basically a news anchor sitting in front of the camera and we interrupt this scheduled broadcast to bring you an urgent news bulletin. Over the last few weeks, blackouts have gripped the city of London, and during these times, mythological creatures of a dangerous variety have been sighted in the street. And we believe that if there is to be a pattern established, that there will be another blackout tomorrow night. We are uh, sending this bulletin out to you all live in order to inform you of uh, the precautions that should be taken in response to these events. And so at this, uh, Sophie kind of looks over at you, Adam, like her eyebrows raised and her eyes a little wide. Ah, there you go. We are going to ask all of you uh, to plan ahead in advance, and before the sun goes down, find a secure building and stay indoors. If possible, stay with family, friends, those you can trust, and try not to be alone. Lock all windows and doors until the power comes back on once the blackout occurs, Barricade all entrances and exit. In addition, do not let anybody in unless they are able to prove that they are with Scotland Yard or other forms of emergency services. And so, yeah, he goes on for a little bit longer just stipulating a couple other things. It takes a few minutes, but then at the end of it, we will be repeating this broadcast once every hour, interrupting all other programs to bring you this urgent news message. We understand that these are difficult and dangerous times. Uh, question. Do they mention, like, in terms of keeping light sources of any sort? Um, yeah, they also bring up that, if possible, uh, try to find a, you know, source of light that isn't, uh, based on electronics, like, you know, candles or lanterns or things like that. Hmm. Uh, yes, well, you can see I'm not the only one taking this seriously. Right. Uh, one last thing, Adam's yeah. gonna reach into his, uh bag and pull out uh, a flip phone this is a, a burner phone now this is highly irregular but these are extenuating circumstances right. i want you to hold on to this the the number for the phone is, is written on the back i've got it already in my phone um 
if anything happens, uh, I and I need to contact you. This is how I'll do it. She takes the phone and slowly nods, just kind of giving you a really scrutinizing look. Mm-hmm. You're a uh, real nice guy, you know that? Well, thanks. You know, I, I, I like to think I can take care of my own. Uh, and listen, I don't want to scare you or anything. I mean, I... <laughs> if that were even possible. Uh, but um, I, this, I think this is a pretty serious situation, so I wanted you uh, to be on board, as it were. Hey, uh, you're covering your bases. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Tell you what. Uh, like you said, you're looking out for me. I'll make sure to do the same for you, alright? Thanks. Appreciate hey, no it. no worries. Look, if, uh, you know, shite hits the fan tomorrow, and, uh, you know, things start going pear-shaped or anything like that, you know, um... Uh, I'm happy to, you know, maybe take a few minutes off my house arrest and just see if there's anything that can be done when you add a vampire into the mix. <laughs> that would be, well, I certainly wouldn't be able to do that on the book, as it were, but I, I appreciate the offer. All right. Uh, All we'll right. have to see how it goes. See how it goes, then. That's a good way to put it. Right. And so with that, um, yeah, I'll say that, uh, yeah, you spend your evening with Sophie just talking to her about that stuff. Is there anything else that anyone would like to do? Uh, so knowing that this is going to be a thing, um, qu- apart from, so Quinty is currently shopping. Yes. Um, and he's going to phone, uh, his, uh, friend who works at the record store. Um, uh-huh. uh, yeah, the, uh, nice young lady that you met. No, this, this is a, this is an older friend uh, oh. of of Quincy's who's who's known for a while. Okay, um, you could, I'll let you name him. Otherwise, I have a name in my head. Uh, why don't you give me your name? Okay, uh, Disco Pete. <laughs> All uh, right, Disco Pete. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Disco Pete is Quincy's known this guy for years. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he when he. Uh, uh, when he came and visited uh, and stayed in London for a while, a, a couple years back, him and Disco Pete became friends and bonded over their shared love of music. Um, and he is currently one of the only people that uh, Quincy like knows in the area that he trusts heavily. And he's going mm-hmm. to ask Disco Pete, who he knows is a, a on-the-level pretty cool guy, uh, if uh, he is willing to take... Um, uh, the, uh, the kid's name's John, right? Yes, John Camden. Yeah. Yes, John. Yeah, take John on a uh, weekend trip for him. Okay, so uh, yeah, you're on the phone with them, and so now let me see if I can get this covered, bruv. You're looking for uh, somebody like me to look after a uh, little talk and take him out of town for a while. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw the news, but. They're thinking there might be a power outage, so I figure... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, no no use manning the store if there's no power. Yeah, and of course, I mean, this is what happens when you're a little too reliant on technology and all that. If people just uh, headed back to their roots a little bit more, we wouldn't be having these kinds of problems now. Yeah, you still have all that camping gear? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, I'll make sure to head out on a, you know, d- a bi-weekly basis and everything. Yeah, I just, I was just wondering if you could, um, take out, uh, John for a little while. And, and when uh, would you like me to, uh, take him out, exactly? Oh, uh, you know, uh, 
this weekend if possible. I don't know what your schedule is, but with the oh, so are you talking about Saturday, Sunday? Uh, thinking like tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, and avoid the blackout and all that. Yeah. Hmm. Let me just uh, ponder it over, man. And uh, yeah, there's a like a short pause in the conversation, and you hear sort of a bubbling noise on the other end of the phone, and you're thinking that he's not blowing bubbles in a glass of chocolate milk. So then, all right. I Everyone mean, knows not... there's only two things you can blow bubbles into: chocolate <laughs> milk and a bong. <laughs> yup. <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, uh, there are, there is a group that I go camping with on a regular basis, but, uh, you know, not too many kids in that uh, little circle you got. But, hey, if it's a chance to teach them about nature and everything else, you know, show them the constellations and all that, bruv. Quincy is internally considering <laughs> and weighing options, like, deadly. Quincy, do you want to leave a child with the equivalent of the cop from Disco Elysium? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My version of that cop wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on how you play him. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you're pretty sure that this isn't the version of the cop that would punch a 15-year-old kid in the face. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be very clear with him that I want to make sure that this kid's okay. And while you know, uh, kids these days aren't as uh, aren't as down to groove. Uh, as we what? were back in the day. So maybe oh, go easy on. on him. How old is he? He's about 10. Oh, right, then I'll pack him some beer. <laughs> I just make it clear that, that while while me and him might be able to handle, might be able to party hard, this kid is, you know, he's one of the new generation. Uh, they're, they're softer, so go easy on that's him. That's right. All that Fortnite is getting to them. I understand, bruv. All uh, right. Yes, they love building forts. <laughs> They keep getting tilted at the towers? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Who doesn't right. know what video games are? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, we'll make sure to include a bit, couple of sodas along with the beers and all that. We'll make sure to keep some of the harder stuff away from them. But aside from that, me and the rest of them will show them all about the universe and all the things that Mother Nature has to offer. Yeah. Well, you know, um, that sounds great. Just, you know, make sure to ma- parcel it out. We, we can, I'll, next one I'll come with you. And All can, right. Uh, and we can give them the, the old, you know, the old one too. You know, uh-huh. Have and that's when we give them the shrooms. Okay. <laughs> there's not, there's, Quincy in his mind knows there will not be a second. <laughs> and, and remembers why he hasn't talked to Disco Pete in a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, talk to you soon, bro. Disco never dies. Yep. Never <laughs> oh man, I he... wish I had a catchphrase nearly half that cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is how he ends every conversation. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> so, um, so... You have never had a conversation with him where he doesn't end the conversation that way. Yeah. I In love this Disco universe, Pete. George Harrison didn't actually die. He just kind of like burned out very suddenly and reemerged as Disco Pete. No, no. Uh, he did pass on, but his soul migrated into a new form. The form of Disco Pete. He actually split into multiple Disco Petes. They yes. all sit in their different names. Oh, no, then a- we're going to find out that the Boogeyman is actually just dark George Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> George Harrison's heartless. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah. I am a shadow. The true self. 
Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Quincy's gonna finish his shopping, mm-hmm. and then he's going to go back home and okay. uh, talk to John about what's about to happen. Oh, and so yeah, so uh, yeah, John's uh, made himself some uh, stovetop mac and cheese for dinner, and so so Quincy, uh, what what did you want to talk about? Uh, so John, I just wanted to. Uh, tell you that um so it looks like tomorrow if do you remember the blackout yes yeah, so that that's been going on this last while yes um, um well uh, i think we think another one's gonna happen and i'm gonna be very busy you know helping out everyone right um so i figure why leave you in the house all dark with no, nothing to do um so uh i figure that you could go with my friend uh pete uh and do some oh. camping Oh, and he looks kind of uh, surprised at this, maybe a little uncertain. But um, is this uh, what about? It's just, it's just for the weekend. Don't don't, don't worry about it. Um, oh, all right. And uh, you know, uh, well, I'll make sure there's plenty of stuff for you to do. Uh, Pete's a really nice guy, um, and also, and I'm gonna hand him a phone. He used to contact me. Um, yeah, he's uh, kind of staring down at the phone. But Quincy, is this to? Make sh- is it going to be dangerous here? Oh, uh, we don't think so, but, you know, uh, just in case, you know, my my job is a little dangerous sometimes, and I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, if anything were to happen, um, uh, you can contact me, and uh, you don't have to worry about anything. Also, yeah, if they offer you brownies, do not eat them under any circumstances. Oh, I give them a list of rules to follow. <laughs> okay. I want to, like, don't eat anything that I that I didn't pack for you. Mm, um, if Pete calls something groovy, don't touch it. <laughs> um, if you see small partitioned paper with funny patterns on it, don't touch it. If if anything is smoking near you, don't go near it. Well, yeah, of course, Quincy. I, I don't want to inhale smoke, otherwise I'd get sick. Yes, very sick. You might even die. <laughs> if ego death is a thing, but yes. <laughs> um, anyhow. Well, Quincy's not a prude, but he also doesn't believe in giving controlled or uncontrolled substances to minors. Hmm. Alright, so, uh, so, um, uh, John just, uh, thinks this over and, Quincy, are you going to be alright? Yeah, definitely. I'll be fine. And I, I don't know what's going on with these, and he kind of looks down at his hands, I don't know what's going on with these abilities, but uh, are you sure you don't, you think, if I were to stay, maybe I could help? Oh no! Uh, you know this is a job for well, I, I'm you know I get paid to do this, and um, it's uh, it's me and the. Uh, do you remember um, Agent Blackmore? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. I know him. Yes. Uh, sorry, Inspector Blackmore. Um, yes. Uh, well, yeah. You know him and I were were we've been through this all all over, and you know maybe one day if you're uh, interested, uh, could bring you in, but. Uh, for now, you know, why don't you just leave it to me? Um, also, it'd be probably pretty boring. Most of it's just driving around, so... Um, yeah, he's kind of... Yeah, he's quiet. Like, um, you can see, like... You know for a fact, spending time with him, that John's a smart kid, and he's kind of picking up on the situation. Well, you know, uh... Let's not waste time talking about what might happen. What do you... Uh, I think what's more important is uh, what you want to eat during your camping trip. 
Um, all right. And so, Here, why yeah. Why don't we go? Why don't we go to the corner store? And I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna do what all good parents do sure. and distract my child with food. Hmm. Okay. Yes, with, with, yes. And not tell them anything dangerous about what's going on and keep them completely in the dark. Mm-hmm. Like all good parents. <laughs> all yeah. parents lie to their children for their betterment. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what they just, say, an ignorant child is a safe child. <laughs> yep. Uh, Look, don't make me post that clip from the Hogfather about believing the little lies so you can believe the big ones. So, um, with that, uh, why don't we jump over to another character then? Um, uh, John, do you want to go first? Uh, no. Uh, I'm willing to pass up the initiative. Okay. okay. So, uh, yeah, Harry, um, I believe you said you had something in mind? Yeah, so as Blackmore is leaving, I'm assuming that he probably hears, like, something about how, okay, the the ver- the knowledge of the blackout happening is, go- is now semi-public to a certain extent. Yeah. So before he yeah. leaves, he basically just tells Night Shift, uh, coordinate with Irving, try and get as many police bicycles, or just bicycles in general, that can carry equipment. Because obviously cars are going to be kind of screwed during the whole thing, and so we need more reliable forms of transportation. Uh, bicycles, understood. Um, yeah. should do you think we should contact the mounted division? Britain have a mounted division? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, let me just take a look. Uh, mounted. Oh yeah, yeah I... they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm out of branch. Uh, yeah, get them yeah. in here as well. Get some horses. All right. So, uh, any form of transportation that we can find in short order that is not reliant upon electricity, we shall uh, bring it in. But right. uh, yeah, we'll uh, take care of that, Inspector. Thanks. All right. So now Blackmore leaves the station, mm. and he has an idea of what he wants to do, but he can't do it in the current state of mind that he's in. It's too hard, too raw. Uh-huh. And so he considers going to Max Pub to take him up on that offer of uh, the free drinks, but mm. realizes that no, this is this is going to be messy, and he's not willing to drag somebody else into it just because it might save him a few quid. Mm. So he goes down to a local corner store, buys uh-huh. himself a small bottle of, let's say, gin, mm. goes home, finds the seance kit, Yep. That uh, was provided to him from Iris. Uh huh. And there's just this moment where he's looking at it, and there's a part of him that really doesn't want to do this. Just like really reopen a lot of these wounds. But with that, he kind of like takes a, a fairly long pull off the bottle of gin, and then just begins like diligently following the instructions to set up this seance circle. Drunk seancing okay. is the best kind of seance. Everyone knows that. Gotta get so, that liquid medium. Mm-hmm. So, um, you lay out the contents of the seance kit and follow the handwritten instructions. Uh, the circle is similar to a pentagram in d- its design. And after laying out the herbs, lighting the candles, and ensuring that um, enough vapors have filled the room, you settle into a meditative stance... Uh, it's sort of a cross-legged position on the floor, and you just wait, breathing deeply, the taste of gin still bitterly filling your mouth, and 
the candles flicker as the orange flames turn blue simultaneously, and then in the dim light, a figure slowly materializes in front of you. It's smaller than you expected, but the form is indeed female. And you, as you watch, you can see features maybe flickering in and out at first, then coalescing. They're from their pieces of what you remember. You can see the corners of her mouth, the shape of her eyes, the gentle waves of her hair as they cascade down her shoulders. But it's almost as if each of these were taken from different photographs and then pieced together. A broken image that has been repaired maybe almost perfectly what it was but it's as you look at this figure and they are looking back at you even though it looks almost exactly like her even though the eyes the mouth it's all the same you look at it and you just know so there's a moment where he's sort of looking and the, suddenly he catches this figure's eye and almost instinctively looks away from it because in a way he's not quite ready to look her in the eye and he look her in the eyes. He still yeah. hasn't felt like he's earned that right. And he just sort of like, there's, there's a moment where he's trying to say something, but the words keep catching in his throat and tears are starting to well up in his eyes as he just tries to say something, anything. And eventually, in this very, like, choked, creaky voice, he just whispers, Zoe? And the figure is just watching you, and she just says in a small voice, I'm sorry. No, no, I... Uh, you shouldn't be sorry. I'm sorry. And I, Blackmore is overcome with emotion, and he tries to, like, reach forward and, like, grasp the figure. And she, uh, you reach forward and grasp, and she just floats uh, back just out of reach. Um, she, kinda, she just kind of holds her arms close to her, uh, like in a, you know, just bringing them up protectively as if to hold herself. And she's just watching you and didn't know when you'd be ready to see me. To be perfectly honest, I, I, I still don't think I am. Uh, and that they, like, again, Blackmore while he's doing this is kind of like trying to avoid looking directly into her eyes. Just again, from that overwhelming sense of guilt. It's, and you can, like, listening to her speak, like, you weren't, you've always wondered if this would be her or if this wouldn't be, but, yeah, as you are looking, like, every second that you're spending, you're realizing that whoever this is, even though it looks like her, it isn't. So, uh, I'd imagine that there's kind of like this... Like that moment where, as, like as the things start becoming like more and more piecing together, yeah. Uh, like Blackmore, like it slowly dawns on him what's happening, yeah. And all of a sudden, like Blackmore, like loses his goddamn composure yep. and tries to rush forward, grabbing it. Like, what are you? So yeah, uh, you grab at her just. Uh, full on trying to bear hug her, but she just disintegrates into mist, and then you can sense her reforming several feet behind her. You whirl around and look at her, and she looks terrified. 
How dare you wear her face like a mask? And yeah, she looks as yeah, she looks as though she's about to cry. Didn't have a, it didn't have a choice. And at this like this I, does kind of catch Blackmore a bit off guard. He was kind of expecting like the minute that he sort of thought that it was like an illusion or something that mm. wasn't her, he figured this was some sort of trick by yeah. uh, the smiley face killer. And obviously like this recoiling and this vulnerability is causing him to take a sort of a pause and, and his anger sort of calms down and he kind of goes, why? She kind of looks down at her hands and I didn't choose this shape, this face. This is, this is what you missed. So this is what I am. And she looks as though she's trying to find the words, but she, uh, she doesn't know how to describe it. It's, and she kind of looks up at you and I don't know how to describe it, but let me show you. And she gently, uh, slowly, uh, approaches you, just drifting towards you almost motionlessly as she slowly raises a hand and with one finger gently touches the center of your forehead and a vision comes to you the same empathic ability that you remember but this time the memories that come back are your own and you remember like these are memories from a long time ago when you were watching an old uh documentary on uh television how it was part of uh like a wildlife documentary about the life cycles of insects and you see that there is an example of an animal uh, way out in the wilderness um, an African wildebeest and it was heavily injured and as the wound was beginning to fester flies came and they laid their eggs in its open wound and the resulting maggots ate away the dead flesh and cleaned it out before the wound was able to heal itself shut and the maggots developed into flies and flew away. And as the vision fades and her finger goes back, you begin to think that in the same way that those flies cleaned out a physical wound, whatever she is, she was what was laid and hatched from the emotional spiritual wound that you suffered so blackmore's feeling just a, a mix of emotions like he's feeling like rage at effectively having his trauma be taken advantage of by this thing confused as to what this even is and like he's just standing there for a second processing all of this mm. and realizing that like his wife is truly gone and that whatever this thing is is just some sort of copy in her thing and it just kind of destroys him a little bit like he just kind of sinks to his knees and starts bawling and like it goes on for a bite quite a bit longer i don't know if this thing has the ability to feel empathy but it's probably feeling a little awkward at this man just kind of coming undone at the seams yeah and so um... in between the, the gasping sobs he's like so that's what you are just some something feeding off my emotional wounds and she she says no and she just drifts down and she uh, and you look up and even through your tears you can see that she is sobbing just as heavily as you are and she reaches out and puts a hand on your chest and she just simply says i help 
and then you can feel like you have always felt empathy through your empathic channel and for the first time like it's almost as if this connection which has only gone one way before now goes both ways and you can feel her whatever this thing is reaching out to you and gently putting a hand on that rent in your heart in the shape of the woman you loved and letting you know that in this enormous meaningless abyss you are not alone so this just causes blackmore to sort of like pause and take stock he he manages to sort of like get his the the sobbing under control he's still kind of like you know having those like sniffles and spasms but it seems to be this warmth has calmed him down and clearly shows that this thing doesn't mean him a lot as much doesn't mean him harm or at the exactly. very least is not just a parasite yeah so just to be clear this thing is essentially like a psychic therapy doll almost like it's something for 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 him to talk to more like something that's like uses emotional like trauma as like a gestation cycle i'd guess well it said it wanted it's... to help you right like honestly it seems like it's a little bit of both because like if it was if it was really trying to just like get your emotional feelings it would it wouldn't have given up it would have continued to pretend to be your wife yeah yeah, I imagine that these sort of thoughts are going through Blackmore's head as he's trying to make sense of just what the hell this thing is. Mm. But eventually, he does kind of, like, calm himself down, and he goes, So, you're willing to help me? And at this, That's all I ever wanted. Right. Then I assume, Do you know about the thing I am chasing? She nods, and this time terror comes across her, and you realize that this thing has formed itself from all of your feelings, all of your memories, and everything that you remember Zoe to be, and that in the same way, uh, your terror at confronting this thing, at what it might be capable of, and what your wife might have experienced, all of these feelings are hers as well. So the, um... And Blackmore is kind of like taps the his head the the feedback. You've been doing that because, on some way, you knew. And at this, she just nods. Uh, you can see a visible lump in her throat. Then you already know what I'm going to ask next, aren't you? And her face just twists again, but this time there is resignation in her features as she nods. If I, if we attempted to broadcast that protection to other people, would it hurt you? And she just slowly shakes her head. No. Can, can you do that? Uh, she slowly nods. I can try. I know that I know that you're, that you need to do this. That this will help you heal. So if destroying this thing will help you, then I'll do it. Alright. Oh. There's no one to really try with now. I don't know. And at this, he kind of like slumps into a nearby chair, just pretty much exhausted from the whole ordeal. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. At this point, I kind of just feel like Blackmore is like trying to stay awake, but he just physically can't. Yeah. And, and so like he collapses into the chair and he just kind of like 
while he's trying to think about what to say or what to do next, he just slowly falls asleep. And yeah, you just hear her go, it's okay, you can sleep. And she just uh, reaches up and she just uh, gently touches your forehead and you feel yourself drifting off to sleep and it feels like maybe for the first time in a very, very long time, your dreams are not nearly as troubled as they once were. And with that, I think, uh, yeah, there's one other player that we need to go to. So, John? Well, uh, Tony doesn't have anything quite as fun as that. Um, nope! <laughs> I like, told you I'd go last, bro! Nah, it's it's cool. Because the thing is, like, like, it's probably better to get all of this other complicated stuff out and then just end it with, Tony continues to work on his master ball. Ah, yes, of course. All right, so, okay. So, um, do I have another segment in which to... Okay, actually, two questions. One, do I have another segment in which to actually craft it? Um, Um, And two, do I have a... um, Do we think we're actually going to fight the Boogeyman tonight? You mean in the next blackout? Yeah, in the next blackout. Yeah, was was there any indication that we were going to actually have to deal with this thing face-to-face time? You guys have no idea. The Master Ball is a limited uh, shot deal, right? Like, you can only, like, have it for 24 hours? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a one-off. Um, yeah, you're not sure if you're going to be fighting this guy, but at the very least, uh, you can use this segment if you wanted to improve the blueprint and just, in like, when you finally get around to making this thing, you can increase your chances of success so that, uh, you know, you, it'll be easier to make this thing. Yeah, well, that's why I, I'm asking, like, uh, like Tony will actually, like, farm this out to the rest of the group. Do we mm-hmm. think we need the Master Ball immediately? Because there's a chance that we won't get it either way, but if we don't need it immediately, then he can he can continue, like, doing a slow roll on it. Yeah. Um, is this, like, when you say one-off, is it, like, you can only build one of these, or is it, like, you can only build one at a time? I can only build one at a time, but the thing is, I assume that all of the bonuses I'm accruing to, to make the craft check go away if I try and fail. Right, okay. Or yeah. if I try and succeed, and then we use it, and then it's gone. Actually, right. um, the bonuses remain for every subst- subsequent crafting, because it's not like the blueprints are going away every time that you make this thing. Uh, you're basically every you, by refining the blueprint, you are researching shortcuts in the manufacturing of this thing and ensuring that it will be more stable as a result of the time and effort you're spending to construct this. Okay, well, yeah, so it's it's a one-off in that I can only make one at a time. That that's yeah, correct. The... Well, no harm in because we still have like a block of time. Like we assume the blackout isn't going to be happening until after nightfall. So yes. There's still time to make it during the day tomorrow if you want to, like, spend this time to get a bonus and then attempt to make it tomorrow. Yeah. You will have a segment during the day tomorrow. Yeah, okay, then I will just improve on the blueprint now. Okay. Bringing my total bonus to a uh, uh, plus four. Excellent, okay. We said it was plus two protection, right? That's correct, yes. All right, yeah, so... That's All a right. little bit more wiggle room, and, and hopefully I'll be able to make that roll. Uh, okay, so um, for your evening, Tony, you stay up into the night, uh, literally burning the midnight oil as the lanterns are illuminating your 
many uh, blueprints and drawings, and you just keep sketching things out and, uh, you know, positing a number of theories. You bring out some materials and just make some rudimentary runic connections, but again, they aren't, they still aren't forming in the way that you'd like them to. But nevertheless, this is helping you in that you are discovering more blueprints and more theories that you are sure will not work. So this is helping you get to your goal, Albay, one slow step at a time. Yep. Also, Tony took like five minutes and quickly crafted himself the goggle of night vision. Okay. It gives him the ability to see through all forms of obstruction, including uh, like fog and smoke yeah. and all of that stuff. Oh, so it even works darkness. in like magical darkness. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Nice. Yeah, because so, I, I spend the the five whole points to 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 just get the blanket. It sees through everything. Uh huh. So, uh, yeah, you have the goggle of night vision. That being singular. So, yeah, a single large lens that you are able to fit into a single goggle a bit of a greenish tint to it and when the runes are activated it sort of uh, glows green but yeah with this you are able to see through any and all impediments and obstructions you see through all obstructions you see through the wall you see through the earth you see through the universe you see things you should not have seen oh god nope. Nope. The, the, that's a different one that's counter concealment <laughs> <laughs> Good, yeah. Um, if you had gone any further, you would have realized, or you would have seen through the character sheet and realized that you are a character in a tabletop game. Oh, but then we can have Tony fight God, and the true JRPG experience is unleashed. You've seen through my plan all along, Harry. Very well done. So, uh, why don't we then uh, go to the next day? The next uh, morning comes about... Uh, so Quincy, just to double check, when did uh, when did Disco Pete? Uh, when were you go- planning on having him pick up uh, John to take him camping? Well, I'm gonna go to actually. I'm gonna take John with all the stuff that I uh-huh. I've, I've packed him up. He has like a little backpack and like a he cooler does. and a hat. Uh-huh. Um, He's got, and I'm gonna yeah. bring him to Disco Pete's place, which is above the store he owned. Uh huh. And I'm going to do the introductions there so that everything's cool. And I'm gonna double check that everything's fine and I'm gonna take Pete aside again and verify that nothing like he, that nothing shady happens of course man nothing shady nothing whatsoever look I've got all my friends they're gonna make sure that everything's gonna be just fine and you take a look outside in like the small parking lot behind the store and sure enough there are like there's an old like 60s style van uh like you know the sort of thing that uh, it kind of looks similar to the mystery machine from Scooby-Doo and there's like a whole bunch of people that are dressed very similarly to Disco Pete like you see Disco Shelly and uh, you know Disco Ryan and you know just all of these people that are you know uh, piling things into the back like a lot of flats of beer and uh, they're passing like things between each other and stuff and it looks very um spiritual you might say where's the device to speed up and slow down the perception of time I've got that right here man Uh, it's gonna last for about 8 hours but it's a hell of a trip I'll have you know just make sure you have a glass of water cause it gives you major cotton mouth (laughs) I I sigh and I think and I just think okay 
Qu- Quincy actually getting frustrated. <laughs> Quincy I not swear chill. To God, I will punch you. I punch out your fucking heart. Quincy has moved from his normal chill to mildly irritated, and we'll just <laughs> and we'll just look 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 at Pete. Say, Pete, I trust you. We've been in the trenches together. Just make sure yes. nothing happens to this kid, okay? Hey, we've been involved in the trenches of the revolution, brother. I remember. Don't worry. We'll make sure that nothing bad happens to you, boy. Does he? Uh, I'm gonna put my arm around he? Pete and lean in close and be like, "There's um." The first printing, uh, shit. I don't know any disco. Um, and then Quincy said something. One second, let me let, give me give me a second to Google this. Bad. Abba technically disco. Oh no, what's that Queen album that was disco or disco themed? Mm. Oh, okay. B, the Bee Gees are, had disco. Okay, I'll do. There's a. I've got a first run of Bee Gees vinyl for you. Assuming everything goes all right. Excellent! You know how to get me my payment, man. All right then. And then I go to John and I say, "All right, John. Well, uh, remember to stick around, Pete, um, and remember the list." Okay. And so he smells unusual, Quincy. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you're going to be a lot of different people. smelling people in your life. Yeah, and so. <laughs> he, like he stand, like he says that maybe a little bit too loud, and you see. Uh, like Disco Pete may have heard that because he kind of pulls his shirt collar up to his nose and kind of sniffs a little bit. Whatever, Pete's got tons of self-esteem. He's fine. Yeah, you know, totally. The last thing Disco Pete is worried about is his self-image. Yeah, Pete's totally. self-image has ascended beyond a plane that humans can see. <laughs> right. He's just wondering if anybody else can smell it. And most importantly, maybe the cops. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, John turns back to you. All right, just stay safe, okay, Quincy? Uh, yep. Don't worry about me. Yeah, and he uh, pulls you in a big, big hug and squeezes you tight before uh, running over to Disco Pete. All right, then. We'll see you at the end of this weekend, brother. Disco never dies! And with that, the uh, van just takes off and begins uh, sputtering down the road, uh, presumably out to the countryside. All right. Quincy sighs in relief. That's one problem I'm dealt with. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, with that, why don't we go to everybody's uh, work day? So, uh, what is everybody planning on doing during their shift? Well, I uh, put in a requisition form the other night for a myth that I wanted to form a pact with. Okay. That I thought would be particularly helpful uh, during the blackout. It is a very obscure myth uh, that originated in the early 20th century in uh, the uh, kind of New England region, lumberjacks thought they would see... uh, At the time, it it was thought that it might have been, you know, uh, just some forest animal like a bear or a puma, but now uh, we know it as the the Gloacus uh, Mm -hmm. or the Devil Cat. Yes. Yes. Uh, It has the uncanny ability to... uh, suss out its prey using Mm -hmm. smell or hearing and uh by looking into its victim's eyes can briefly wipe their uh short-term memory uh making them even more vulnerable it's a very dangerous myth but uh if a pact could be formed uh would make uh adam uh, a lot less vulnerable okay yeah um you I know that you made sure to make that requisition for this particular myth, so soon enough. Um, yeah, uh, I will say that later on in the day, 
uh, at one point uh, you get a notification that it has arrived. So, yeah, they are still letting it into its pen when you head down to where the myths are held beneath Scotland Yard. And in the, uh, you know, enclosure that resembles, you know, like uh, a tank at the aquarium or the zoo, uh, yeah, the, the um, beast is being led into... Um, a room that is made to resemble sort of like uh you know just a a thick uh deciduous forest hmm. or coniferous i should say coniferous forest um but uh yeah you're not sure if it's like it looks kind of like a bear a lion and a panther mixed together like it's tough Good old to say. classic beast it's lean and muscular with dark brown fur and as it prowls forward, its eyes are just completely, like, marble white. As it sort of, like, uh... It, it's letting out a bit of a cackle as it's uh, roaming around its uh, new room. But it's just kind of a... <laughs> like, uh, almost like a bit of a hyena cackle. As it's, uh, you know, sort of prowling around the room and just kind of sniffing things out. Okay. Uh, I guess... Oh, man, uh, Adam is a little nervous because he has no idea how to even go about forming a pact with something which he, he's not even sure is that intelligent. Mm. But he's been camping a few times. Uh, yeah, he grew up uh, in in uh, Colorado in the states, so he knows his way around the woods, and uh, he knows that in this kind of situation, when a carnivore is sussing you out, the last thing you want to do is look vulnerable. So he's going to draw mm. himself up, okay, to his kind of full height stand. Yep. Uh, feet squared at the shoulders uh-huh. and just make himself as conspicuous as possible. Clear his throat, uh, scuff his feet on the ground, that kind of thing. Yep, yep. Okay, so you head inside and the yeah, the creature's head immediately snaps around as it sort of slowly prowls towards you, just kind of letting out some more of those <laughs> and just kind of like, you can tell it's not looking at you, but nevertheless it like its ears are pointed in your direction and it's, you know, eagerly sort of sniffing the ground, definitely getting a read on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, yeah, the handlers outside have provided you with some meat as well because they know that, uh, you know, to make, uh, yes. packs, yeah, to make packs with uh, animal myths that aren't considered sentient, uh, you know, the best way to do this sort of stuff is to give them food. Adam's secret weapon, a freshly killed rabbit. Mm. So yeah, okay, he'll yep. just have have this in kind of a bag and he'll pull it out and uh-huh. hold it in front of him uh, and very slowly, cautiously walk towards this terrifying looking thing. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, it just is uh, yeah, kind of crouched a little bit and it slowly starts to <laughs> as you get a bit closer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Adam is going to put the rabbit on the ground and then uh-huh. walk back a few paces. Not okay. far enough, like close enough that he could lunge for it if he wanted to, but mm. far enough away that this thing could come and get get a good sniff at it, you know? Like he wants to make make his presence known in the room. Make mm. it known that, you know, he, he's not going away anytime soon. This is an offering. Okay. You know? Alright, so yeah, it kind of seems to regard you for a bit. Um... And are you trying to look into its eyes? Uh, certainly not. <laughs> Good. Okay. So 
It's kind of like uh, prowling forward a bit as if like trying to enter your field of vision. Okay. Yeah, I will hey, keep my eyes. <laughs> I will keep my eyes averted. Okay. <laughs> it seems to be barking to try and get your attention. I'm not falling for that. And it ju- and you just hear a and yeah, so it seems as though like it's kind of like regarding you for a little bit and you can hear it kind of just like licking its chops a little bit more. Well, it's either me or the rabbit. Hmm. And it just kind of looks down and it just uh, begins tearing into this dead rabbit and quickly just uh, ripping it to shreds. And yeah, after about a minute or so of listening to this thing, just, uh, you know, rip this thing apart with very visceral gross noises. uh, Yeah, the rabbit is gone. And so as it's uh, licking the blood from its paws, uh, yeah, you can feel sort of a, yeah, a bit of a mental connection that you know to be associated with pact, uh, like the forging of a pact. Whew. Okay. And it's, you can hear it sort of, uh, as if, uh, you know, slowly appraising you. All right. I guess Adam will stand around for a little bit more, give it some time to sniff him up, but then he'll... Mm leave not turning his back to it like walking out slowly out of the room okay trying to make so, his presence yeah so the feeling intensifies as you let it just kind of keep regarding you and you can sense that it is indeed like this is the first time you've made a pact with something that isn't sentient so you're guessing yeah. that because it can't communicate with you just this primal sensation of you know, something reaching out towards your sixth sense. This is, um, yeah, this is it trying to make a pact with you. Very interesting. Well, I guess, like, as I, the, as the pact is formed, I get access to the abilities it grants me, right? Yeah. And so and my suddenly, sense of smell improves, my sense yes. of hearing improves, and maybe Adam starts to pick up on these kind of, like, really subtle animal cues that this oh, thing yeah. is letting off. Like, you can sense, like, there are, um, there are false trees that have been put into this room, like, that go up to the ceiling and stuff for this thing to climb on, but you can sense that, uh, there are, like, it is real dirt beneath your feet, and the smell of loam and soil and moss just fills your nostrils, as well as, uh, the sounds of small bugs that are creeping through the underbrush. And, uh, you know, like, uh, the sounds of wood louses and ants and things like that, and, uh, maybe some buzzing flies off in the distance as well. Wow. A very disorienting sensory experience, for sure. Mm-mm. It All is right. like, it is like somebody grabbed the dial on your senses of smell and and hearing and just cranked them up to... Turn up the gain! Yeah, exactly. No, no, not, don't turn up the gain, that's bad, that's how you blow circuits up. Mm. (laughs) all right well i guess with that adam will respectfully leave the enclosure okay and try and uh get a handle on his new his new uh senses okay sure yeah and uh yeah you spend some time just figuring out your new senses and stuff hey everyone thanks for listening you can find us on tumblr at listen to these nerds.tumblr.com or on twitter at lttncast All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com.